Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, welcome to the very first Farmer Chats with Simon Foley, a very new segment for the podcast where we dive a little bit further beyond what business is, but we see and go behind the scenes of what actually drives them to work within their role in the industry, what drives them on a day-to-day basis, and how can we take little snippets of what they do, and we'll actually have a little bit of fun along the way, hopefully. So, to kick it off as our very first episode on the Farmer Chats series, it will be coming out every week. We will keep it to that and we'll see how we go from there. But excited to see how this segment goes and to bring you some more content as farmers. We're there on the tractor, in the office, out mustering or on the road a lot of the time and some of that time is great just to sit back and listen to a podcast and not actually have to think about what you're gonna what song you're gonna put on next. So let's listen into this first farmer chat with Simon Foley. Well Simon, you're on the podcast early in the week, but just to add some more flavor into this podcast and get to know the people that drive the industry forward, I thought this new segment would be a great way and a bit of a fiery session just to get underway and dive underneath the skin of who's driving agribusiness and what drives you as a person. Fantastic. Let's get into it. First thing, kick it off. What's your morning routine? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, uh, every day, I, I, I hope to wake up, and I do, which is which I'm thankful for. And, and then, um, multiple days a week, I go and do a Pilates class because I, I ran into some back issues a few years ago. So, um, I, I'm anticipating living to 100. So, my, my body needs to be a little bit better than it is. So, Pilates is pretty important to me as a as an exercise routine, just to make sure my, I'm using my muscles properly. I often ride my bike to work, which is I'm very grateful for because it gives me that physical exercise as well as a break in the office. And, and most mornings I, I can't function without a coffee. For many years I, I, I didn't have that habit, but, but I'm, I've given in and, and coffee is an important part of my morning routine and then the day, day unfolds. Yeah, I don't think I've had a day without coffee since I started getting onto it. And I just thinking back to that day, I was like, 
yeah, it's like just a switch of like, oh, okay, I drink coffee now, but that's a thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've given up. I enjoy it, so you know, and it's good for me yeah. to sort of start the day and get into the routine of things. Exactly. When I was over in London, I actually used to run seven to nine k's to and from work, and telling my mates back here in Australia, you just wouldn't even fathom running that far mm. to work. Oh, I, I think. I think getting some exercise, um, particularly in what, what is largely an office-based job and, and you, know, you spend a lot of time in your mind, getting that physical in-body experience, I, I, I think is enormously value, valuable for me. And uh, I've been riding my bike to work for several years and, and I, I really enjoy it because um, it forms that sort of physical barrier to the day where I can you know, ride home and, and by the time I get home, work's in the distance. So it's... Uh, yeah, really, really important um, physical routine for me. Yeah, I think there's actually a word for that exercise that you do in between getting from one place to another without actually like stepping out of your day to do exercise. I can't remember, but yeah, it's definitely a great way to put exercise into your daily routine. But next one, 60 seconds. What's your first memory of agriculture that you got into? You weren't born on a farm, but you have plenty of experience now. What's that memory? Go. Well, I think I think the earliest one I remember, which was probably foundational in my interest in agriculture, was um, driving across the Nullarbor Plain as a 13, 14-year-old and, and seeing farming land and, and seeing the vastness of the Australian landscape and, and feeling very comfortable with that sense of space and size. And, and, um, and I think it was probably a year or two afterwards I, I stood on a farm and I think it was just the openness of the landscape, you know. So in effect, it was the land was the thing that was my first memory and, and, and that, that played itself out in, in many ways since. So I think the vastness is my specific answer to your question. Yeah, it's spectacular down there. A place that caught my eye was York Peninsula. They're, they're farming, but also the coastline is 100 metres away and they can go for a dip in the in the ocean yeah. as they farm at harvest time, that'd be unreal. Yes. No, I think anywhere where you can farm, you know, extensively on a, on a coastline with an ocean yeah. forefront, you know, that's, that's an extraordinarily uh, you know, beneficial thing. Yeah, exactly. And as agriculture, we're a bit of a hard nut, we'd say, especially for farmers. People like to think they're the toughest bloke out in the paddock, the toughest woman out in the paddock. But for yourself, who inspires you? Um, look, I, I read about a lot of people and, and I, I guess people who have inspired me are, are those that have really uh, gone on a journey of self-discovery. They, they really understand themselves in a way that they try and be the best version of themselves. And, and yeah. I think that there's been a few people over my life that have given me opportunities or encouraged me at moments when I've needed that. And, and that's probably been an inspiration for me to try and do the same thing for others in my various roles over time. And, and I think, um, you know, as a, as a business manager and a manager of people and, and, and as a father and as a husband and, and a partner to other people, I, you know, my job is to be the best I can be to let them be the best they can be. And so I think people that have gone on that journey and, and really understand themselves uh, and have done the work to, to be comfortable with who they are. I think they're the sort of people that inspire me. Yeah, that's a great answer, actually. And, like, it's always good to reflect now, but as a father, you probably have got a few people under you that 
look for you for inspiration now too. So it's good to lead the way in that as well. Mm. Um, a myth that you'd like to debunk about farming and anything within agriculture, maybe ag tech, maybe left a field. Oh, look, I think it's not such a myth, but there's always the perception that, um, you know, farming is somewhat of a low-hanging fruit environment. The, the, the fact of the matter is that it's a highly technical, highly sophisticated, highly capital-intensive, you know, challenging industry, whether, whether in, you're an irrigated or, you know, have some control of your inputs or whether you're in extensive broadacre rain-fed farming systems. The, the challenges are incredibly enormous and the opportunities and the satisfaction that I think people get from farming is, is unlike anything I've ever seen from anything else. It's, it's something that's very visceral in terms of producing food. I, I think the fact that other people outside that industry have a, have a perception of it being somewhat low-tech or, or, or somewhat you know, antiquated is, is one thing I, I really want would like people to understand, you know, that there's some very intelligent, very high-tech, very sophisticated businesses operating in farming and um, and we need them to be to continue to develop that. Yeah, it's probably a challenge for opening that up and getting these school kids thinking about not only picking potatoes, landmarking and all of sorts, um, but actually thinking about the digital side of where you can, can be data analyst, marketing, whatever you name it, we've got it in agriculture as well. Oh, and this this is the depth of diversity of roles is incredible, and I think it's very hard for students to see that from from their experiences. And we do quite a bit of work in educational uh, settings to 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 create that exposure to technologies in particular, but also make sure kids have some sense that there's a whole raft of experiences that sit beyond the farm gate. It doesn't. It's not just about being a a landowner and, and a primary producer. There's so many other aspects of the things that make those businesses successful that sits off off the farm, beyond the farm gate that create opportunities. And, and, and many of it sits in regional areas and some of it's in cities areas. But for those, you know, that haven't, and, and like me, you know, I spent, I grew up in a city, but I spent many years living in the country and the sense of community and belonging to a community was, uh, you know, was very, very empowering. And, and I'd encourage people to have that experience in their working life. Yeah, absolutely. Just creating mateship out wherever you are, regional or even in the city, in the ag tech space, in an office as well. But for yourself, one thing you'd like to change about Australian agriculture, what would it be? I think um, I'd like to uncover what it is to 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 speed up the the inertia around change, and I think I understand why that happens because you know it's a risky environment; people have to take risks incrementally, but you know, often work on the rule of thumb that technologies in agriculture and innovations in agriculture, you know, it takes somewhere between seven and 10 years to get to around 50% adoption. And that's a long time. It asks a lot of businesses to sustain their effort for, for that period of time. And, you know, again, grossly generalising, but the, the reality is I'd like to be, I'd like there to be more of a, you know, an innovation appetite and, and a, change the pace of things uh, sooner but um, I appreciate why it's not the case and, and that's one of the great insulating things around Australian agriculture is that they're great risk takers in many contexts but but they um, they take those risks incrementally. Yeah no I definitely agree with that one um, and how we can spurt that change for farmers and see that value on the other side as we discussed in our last episode 
about Ag World. But for yourself, next one, how can we best share expertise on land care for the next generation? So the knowledge gap of information, which is what FarmsWise is trying to plug up and spread to more than just what that one farmer is. So one farmer listens and they go, listen, tell 10 other farmers. But accessibility, how are you thinking that we can improve land care and like that knowledge gap? Well, I think I think there's such a lot of um, stored knowledge and experience in many farm businesses and, you know, in the people that, that have seen the change in landscapes over time. And, you know, as the climate changes, people understand what it was like what it used to be and, and they feel that and their ability to explain that to others. And so I think what I'm pointing to is that we need to build, build the communication skills that allow us to translate what things were like to how they might be. And that requires a consideration that within the complex farming systems that we operate and the landscapes that we operate in as well are, are quite diverse and complicated. And it takes time to watch and observe and I think if nothing else, the, the, the next generation needs to give themselves a little bit of time to watch and observe the landscape, leveraging from yep. previous generations of trying to find ways to get them to explain what they learned and what they saw and what that means today. So I think that the best thing I think is for people to think about how well they can communicate these things to others and um, whether that's using better words or pictures or Technologies, I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, as you said, farming you know, is often a 30, 40-year journey. You get 30 or 40 cracks at it, and there's not many from a repetitive point of view. So um, leverage that knowledge and do your best to explain it to others so that they can add value to it. Exactly. I think there's a huge pool of information, but we just need to access it and strip it down um, and share it on a transparent platform like the Farms Wise podcast, little plug. Um <laughs> But for yourself, is a bit of a mouthful as well. So if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Uh, look, I think if I probably, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I, I would have liked to have been able to you know, have a crack at farming in some context. But my, my, my experience of that is really trying to have the, the best lawn I can grow and the best court garden I can grow, which is my very small farm. But... No, look, I think if if I could have had the opportunity to work in a in, you know day-to-day farming context, I would have would have liked to do that. But I, I can't imagine any any occupation other than than involved in a in a producing yeah. environment where you, you take resources and you produce something that lives and grows and you can see it grow. Um, I, I find there's a lot of soul to that idea and it's very compelling to me and I, I've enjoyed it immensely. Exactly. And our connection to dirt really plays in that as well. Um, that, that was a great one, of course. But last one for this segment, what are your book recommendations or like resources that you tap into each week um, for yourself? Yeah, I think pro- probably books books less so, but podcasts, I listen to a variety of them and, and ones, that, um, ones that I find uh, are really challenging to mind thinking that, and the ones I find most interesting are where podcasts talk about you know, trying to give the experience of learning from what others have already learned. Um, so I listened to a podcast by uh, a chap out of Canada called Farnham Street, which um, he, he talks to a lot of people and talks about their experiences over life, whether it be leadership or business or 
or technology and um and it's a really um i find it very very challenging my other thing was about listening to podcasts on the coronavirus because it's it's a, an extraordinary experience of our day and and other other books I, I read a bit about is learning from the principles in physics and how can we uh, learn from that so you know I often use language of physics in things like inertia and the fact that things and people and, and organizations tend to move in such a way that they've always done uh, until something comes along to shift them and so that what is it that overcomes that sense of inertia and concepts like entropy, which is the fact that things tend to move towards a state of disorder unless you do something about it. So we all know that. Don't maintain your sheds or your farms or your house, they all fall apart. So it's the same in physics. And I try to think about that in terms of business and people and operations and process and how can we learn from those things to, to not have to reinvent the wheel. Amazing. Well, Simon, I'm grateful for you coming on for both episodes. The one previously this week on the Ag World Beyond the Record Keeping episode series. Um, thanks for coming on and sharing your little bit. And thanks for being the guinea pig on the new segment. Our pleasure, Jack. Thanks for your time. Hope you enjoyed this Farmer Chats episode with Simon Foley and myself, Jack Creswell. And we'll be seeing you next Tuesday. Don't forget to visit farmsvice.com.au and follow us on all your socials at farmsvice. See you then. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 